0: Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry. And of course, this is, My Mike. Name is Chris Huddleston. O- there he oh. is. Oh, I jumped
1: <laughs> in too fast.
0: I so. did I put in a big juicy pause. I stepped on your stepped on your line. Well, that's fine. So today we're both very excited to be talking to you about Back to the Future one and two. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. History is gonna change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back
1: in time the
0: floating saucers on outer space now he's trapped in the past this has got to be a dream about to meet chocolate his future father he's a baby and he's making an impression on his mother he's an
1: absolute dream and he can sleep in my room
0: uh, anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events uh, He's got to make his mother and father fall in love. Out I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown Woo-hoo! can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Do you remember the future?
1: See
0: our wedding. Wow. The future. I gotta check this out, Doc. Look what happened to your son. Oh. He's a complete wimp. Don't talk to anyone. You've been looking, Pop. Hey, look. Don't touch anything. I need to worry you. Never worry. And try not to look at anything. I didn't invent the time machine to win at gambling. I can't lose. I invented a time machine to travel through time. Hey, Doc, I'm all for that. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? No. The time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. ...but they'll all be back. Eat slackers! Biff? Hello? Hey. Hello? Anybody home? Why, they can't be you. You're so... big. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. i strike. Michael J. Fox. We're well, like a couple of teenagers, you know? ...and Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future Part Two, coming November 22nd to theaters everywhere. Do you have a set of? Yeah. Do you have a set of synopses for us, Mister? Yeah. Do we
1: want to do both? uh, Do we want to talk about it all at once, or do we want to talk about one at a time, or how did you want to do it?
0: Why don't you do the synopses one at a time, and then I think they're inevitably going to kind of bleed into each other.
1: Okay. Sorry, one second. I clicked out of it, and now I do-do-do-do-do. Okay, Back to the Future, part one, was directed by Robert Zemeckis. And the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is, in this 1980s sci-fi classic, small-town California teen Marty McFly is thrown back into the 50s when an experiment by the eccentric scientist friend Doc Brown goes awry. Traveling through time in a modified DeLorean, Marty encounters young versions of his parents and must make sure that they fall in love or he'll cease to exist. Even more dauntingly, Marty has to return to his own time and save the life of Doc Brown. And it stars Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Crispin Glover, Leah Thompson, and Tom Wilson. And all of those people also star in Back to the Future 2. And the plot for that one is, it's also directed by Robert Zemeckis, and the plot is, in this zany sequel, time-traveling duo, Marty McFly and Dr. Emmett Brown return from saving Marty's future son from disaster only to discover their own time transformed in this nightmarish version of hill valley marty's father has been murdered and biff tannen marty's nemesis has profited after uncovering the secret to biff's success marty and the doc embark on a quest to repair the space time continuum so both of us i imagine have seen these movies more than once i would say several times yes so what although
0: um, i haven't seen them in a while
1: Yeah. So I would say, I guess maybe talk a little bit about, you know, our experience with these movies originally, and then, uh, and then go into how we feel about them now. So what are you, what are your initial thoughts?
0: Well, I remember enjoying it enormously when I saw it as a kid. Um, and I have to say I enjoyed it enormously watching it again recently. Um, there we have done other time travel movies recently. It's become the thing. Like we just watched um Totally, totally Killer. Killer, which made a huge point of referencing Back to the Future, right? So mm-hmm. and then The Flash references not with not by name, but basically references this kind of model of time travel when there's a timeline and something changes and it creates a sort of a you know, uh, what was the term they use as like splinter timeline or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something like that. And that the original timeline is still continuing and that you can kind of get back to it. Like there are train Mm -hmm. tracks that you can get off track and it creates a new set of tracks. And the goal is to kind of get back on the original set of tracks, which a lot of time travel movies that take themselves seriously. Uh, go to great pains to sort of scoff at and say, "Well, that's not how time works, and uh, it's, it's more complicated than that." And you can't really deny, though, that th- it makes for a fun uh premise for this movie, right? And and they they have a great deal of fun with it. And I, I remember, like the last time we mentioned that we were going to do these, I said, uh, "Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg, this is directed by Robert Zemeckis. These movies are directed; these are Z- Zemeckis films." But Steven Spielberg was, you know, very involved with it. He produced it. Amblin Entertainment produced it, and and right off the top, it says Steven Spielberg presents, you know, a Robert Zemeckis film. So I think I think that that's why his name leaps to my mind. Is it feels it? it I feel Spielberg's signature in it a lot. I feel his influence in these films a lot. Um. Yeah, I've been rolling. What, what, what about you? What are you? What's your experience of these?
1: Well, one thing that I want to say, based on what you said there, I wonder if you know now the term multiverse gets thrown around, which I don't think I can't really recall people using that term in the eighties. I, I imagine probably people that that read a lot of science fiction, you know, these these ideas um, were out there, but I wonder if Back to the Future really created the idea for mass audiences of a splintering of time and a multiverse and, and all that kind of thing you know I i wonder if uh you know i don't know if we if there would, would have been anything else before that um i mean we talked about when we were i think we talked about in the totally killer episode you know that this wasn't the first ever time travel movie i mean you had hg wells the time machine um, but I wonder if really that kind of splintering off, and we get that more so really in the second movie, right? Uh, than we do in the right. first. Um, well, in the yeah. first
0: movie, in the first movie, is pretty clean because they just they go back in time. I don't, and do I remember? Do you remember why they go back specifically to that? Is that that's the date? Doc Brown invented the concept of time travel, and that's why they go back to that date. Correct? Yeah, I think and so. and things yeah. go wrong sort of immediately, but that's that's right. why they punched in that date in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So actually, I mean, on that note, it's kind of inadvertent because the first of all, folks, we spoil all these movies. If you haven't seen the Back to the Future films, we're going to talk about them. It was 1980. What five or one. I
1: think even people, you know, these movies are so much part of the culture at this point. I mean, especially like when you get into the second one with the hoverboard and the shoes, you know, which they've actually made those things. That yep. I wonder if even younger people that haven't seen these movies, they still have a you know a, an idea about them. I imagine. I don't know. Um, but as far as uh. One, what something that I was thinking about is this is one of the few movies when I was a kid that we went to see as a family. Uh, my dad took me to lots of movies. Um, and then, you know, once my my sister is a few years younger than me and and then he took uh, my sister and me to a lot of movies. But my mom didn't go to a lot. So th- this is one of those ones that really stands out, you know, like this and E.T. and Ghostbusters and a couple others, you know, we saw as a family. So I always, you know, like that always uh, there's that connection with this movie. But um, and, you know, it was saw it in the movie theater and then rented it. And then, you know, this has been this, these movies and the Star Wars movies and the Indiana Jones movies, you could probably find them somewhere playing on TV right now. <laughs> you know, if, if you if you went. um. Uh, You know, because they just they've just been on a continuous uh, loop almost since, you know, 1985. But um, I think the thing with both of these movies that really stands out and and you you get it in the first one and you get it uh, in the second one is the great comedic performances that you have in these movies. You know, uh, Michael J. Fox, this movie made, you know, the first movie made him a superstar. Um, but you have all these supporting actors, you know, Leah Thompson and um, uh, Tom Wilson as Biff, especially when you get into the second movie, when he's older Biff and plays these, you know, and he's playing his young version of himself and this old version. Uh, it's, I'm sure he did fine, but it's it's a little bit sad that I, I think that he didn't go on to superstardom as well kind of the way that that Michael J. Fox did, because I don't I can't really recall a lot of other things that I saw him in. Um but the first one, you know, I don't know too much to say other than just it's it's about a perfect film, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. It's
1: just so I... tightly scripted, um and, and it drips right along. yep.
0: Yeah. And the dialogue is handled effortlessly. And I think it really stands up. I mean, you think, oh, great, it's 2023. We're going to watch another movie from 1985. And, yes, we were kids then, so it's familiar to us. But I don't think it's so steeped in the time that it alienates a modern audience. I mean, hair's a little different. Wardrobe's a little different. It's Huey Lewis in the News, but that's pop music. I mean, it sounds like 1985 but not, you you know what I'm saying. And then, sure. so then you get, then they go back to 1955 and it establishes this relationship between those two, you know, brackets on that 30 year period, the town then, the town quote unquote now, right? Uh, it, it, I think it, we, it just, and it's the same actors playing the younger versions of themselves. And I mean, they, they just make it all so much fun. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the first film is pretty much a perfect film. And then mm-hmm. the second one, I think, is a successful and an entertaining sequel that picks up the cliffhanger from the end of the first one, sows the seeds of what they're going to pick back up with in the third one and then they kind of like empire strikes back then they get into the weeds right mm-hmm. like the second one i think the second one decided it need to be it needed to be more slapsticky to offset the inherent darkness of the storyline of the second
1: yeah. one
0: yeah yeah Because the storyline is definitely darker biff tannen is a threatening clown in the first one um and the scene but the only real the only time it really feels scary is when he's in the car with um is the character's name Lorraine, yeah, 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 and he's basically going to rape her mm-hmm. and then this this scene of George McFly opens the car door expecting it to be Marty who's staging this, and instead he finds Biff, who outweighs him by like but but that moment. Where you realize, and I think it's actually Lorraine's line where she says, "Help me!" and there's genuine mm-hmm. panic in her voice. That's the only time it feels like a real, a truly adult movie. Mm-hmm. Where you go, man, this has got, that's a, a that's a sharp tooth, you mm-hmm. know. Otherwise, it's mostly fun. Even when Doc Brown is shot, I remember as a kid that shocked me but mm-hmm. it doesn't, I mean, part of it's knowing what happens and part of it is just that it's been shot in a relatively tame way. Uh And the Libyans are a joke. I mean, the, now looking mm-hmm. at Libya terrorists, you're just kind of like, this is almost offensively. Yeah. Cartoon. Like terrorists yeah. are real and they're scary, you know, and these guys aren't particularly scary, but I mean, I get it's a choice. But then in the second film, when Biff has had the chance to, you know, ascend into power in this town it's really ugly and it's mm-hmm. really dark and he is not just you know stupid he's cruel and yeah. you see evidence of that everywhere and the versions of lorraine and the other people that you may we don't get to see george mcfly that didn't bring um crispin glover back um the the versions that you get to see of those characters aren't as fun. I no. mean, it's it's uh, upsetting, and they, so the 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 focus shifts from like, oh, this is crazy. We gotta you know get back to the future. To we have to fix the future, mm-hmm. right? We have to unmess up. Uh, and it's similar to what happens in the Flash. I have to go back, and I have to undo the thing I did originally to sort of get things back to normal and it it's very anxiety provoking um and i think they probably made the choice to do all of the comic bits like in a really like slapsticky way yeah to try and offset some of that darkness um but you said uh empire
1: strikes back and I, and i actually thought about empire strikes back a bit you know watching this where it definitely is you know with the empire strikes back, you get that darker story than the original star Wars. And they do that a little bit in this where it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit darker and in more of a kid sort of kid friendly kind of way. But, and also as I was saying with those performances, you get the great performances with, um, you know, Lorraine and, and with the, the older Biff, uh, you know, which was, uh, you know, meant to be, he was based on Donald Trump, <laughs> which is funny now because they, yeah. I'm sure they never would have imagined, you know, him being president, but.
0: Well, and the he, year was 2015, right? The, yeah. So the future they go to is 30 years, the past they go to is 30 years prior to 1985. Yeah. And the future they come forward to is 2015. So, I mean, and that's, there was a, a Trump ascendancy, but on a very different scale and of a very different tenor.
1: Yeah and it's fun to see the little uh you know we don't have flying cars um you know they do the little joke with uh jaws 19 you know and it's like a 3d hologram thing of jaws comes out we don't have hoverboards um you know but now do you know the uh the that there was a little bit of troubled uh production with the first one that michael j fox was not the original actor in the role
0: yeah i don't know i i know that they recast it but i don't know what the trouble was so uh eric stoltz was the original marty and they filmed
1: i mean there are they're you can find um their clips uh on you know you find them on youtube of eric stoltz in the role um and they filmed i mean i think they shot for a few weeks and then just decided this isn't working And they needed to recast, which is pretty amazing.
0: It's pretty amazing. And having seen it with Michael J. Fox, it's difficult to imagine anyone else doing that role. Right. I mean, he just nails it. And it seems... From the very beginning. now of course this wasn't we say it was the one that made him a superstar. It was hard. He was working, he was on family ties. Like family ties and he did well, you uh, knew you went to that movie in eighty-five, you knew who this guy was. I watched yeah. Family Ties. I'm like, Oh, it's him. And teen you know Teen Wolf was before this, you know. Teen Wolf was wasn't. before this. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was not as big a smash hit. We should do Teen Wolf. (laughs) That would be fun.
1: I haven't seen that in a long, long time. Keg of beer. (laughs) 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 One thing that I looked up with this because I was curious: what do you think for the first one? What do you think the budget was?
0: Oh boy, Um, I'm going to say it was maybe ten million dollars, fifteen. You're
1: real close. It was 19, which in today's dollars is like 54 million, which, I mean, today that's not a big budget, you know? Nope. Um, And I I mean, I guess if you think about it, there weren't like a ton of special effects with this. And, and they, one of the things that I really noticed watching this time is you can tell how much everything is just on backlots and sets. You know, there's even scenes where they're outside, like where they're outside of Hill Valley on a you know on the like two lane road it's like oh that's a set that's not a real road you know um but uh i mean it's not like it's a big you know glaring issue or anything like that but uh
0: it works yeah you know that whole downtown with the thing is a set obviously yeah right i think they use that for gremlins also
1: um you know the same the same uh lot but um and then then uh, the second one and the third one each had um a 40 million dollar budget um and they they decreased a bit in uh what they brought in the first one was like 380 some million worldwide the second one was like 325 and the third one was like 245 so this is a big wow you know but the, the second one that was still pretty close for for a second film um so, you you know, there's more special effects in the second, probably the third as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there are. And I think that the movies aren't the better for them, per se. Um, you know, they've got an actual hoverboard in the second one. And they've got the flying train in the third one. We You didn't watch... I watched all three. You didn't watch the third one. Oh. I think that the third one does feel... I think doing one and two feels right because although Mm -hmm. it was conceived as a trilogy, what it felt like to me was the third one simultaneously tried to lighten the burden. It became less about fixing the future and just going to save his friend or help his friend doc. And along the way, learn something important about his roots and about himself. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, Okay, and it's the most slapsticky of the three. And I think you get a lot of the three-peat jokes, right? Like in the second one. Because now we've been to the past and we've been to the present. And now in the future, we get this fun overlap of all three timelines. And it actually feels to me like um, you, you almost didn't need to go back into the old west. Like if you'd have somehow been able to just Stretch that second movie a little bit, or make two movies out of the second movie., mm-hmm. you know you could have had the Wild West thing could have been the second half of the second movie. it didn't you know, yeah, um, but the idea that you know so what in the second movie, we revisit all of the key points and and he comes he shows back up the night that doc brown in 1955 succeeds in sending marty back to the future so you get that the thing that the burning trails and the spinning license plate and doc brown goes
1: yes yes yeah. and
0: then marty comes running around the corner <laughs> yeah. doc doc and he's like oh no i sent you back to the i i you did it worked but i'm back yeah. and and so you i think that uh i think that that those aspects of the second movie, despite the sort of the, the, the dark parts of it, make it a good companion in this podcast to talk about the first and the second piece. You can almost summarize the third piece by saying, then they go back to the old West and they spend the whole time in the old West, but they figure it out and everybody's fine. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. nothing, nothing more really ties it back. It's, he plays his own great, great grand. You know, some of the same actors are in it again, and they're doing, like, really mediocre Irish accents, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's just yeah. not as fun because it doesn't chime with all of the stuff we've already established. It doesn't take what we've already got and, you know, take a th- a three-tiered wedding cake and, and make an impossibly even better fourth tier on it. It's just, they're like, okay, and for the, for, we're going to do a Western.
1: I- yeah all right yeah it's it's always been definitely the weakest you know of of the yeah, three but it's still for an entertaining for... movie it's, it's an you entertaining know. movie yeah
0: but of the three it's clearly the least interesting and i think of of the first two the second one uh the first one's almost perfect yeah <laughs> and the second one just it's really hard to live up to that it's hard to now do it again but better and uh, well but still tough. very good, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. definitely,
1: I can remember seeing, I saw the second, and I mean, I saw all three of them in the in the movie theater, but I can remember seeing the second one and being a little bit disappointed in it. And watching it this time, I was like, you know, it's really good. It's, it's mm-hmm. again, you know, it's not the kind of perfection that the original is, but I really like, you know, you touched on a little bit that, the final part of the, I mean, I think all of it is good, but the, the final section of the movie where you go back and, you know, you see several of these scenes from a different vantage point and Marty is seeing them and seeing himself. And, you know, they do the whole thing of where doc keeps telling him, you can't, you know, Marty, you can't do not interact with yourself, you know, cause it'll, and, 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 I, and that's been done a million times since, but I don't know if we as audiences had ever seen that. I mean, can you recall anything before that where they used that concept? Again, I'm sure <laughs> science fiction writers, you know, it wasn't like they were just making all this up. I'm sure a lot of this came from science fiction, but, but I don't recall that kind of trope of, oh, you see yourself and you can't interact or it's gonna, you know mess up i know there was a uh there was a twilight i think it was a twilight zone or a ray bradbury theater in the 80s where it was ray bradbury story where there was a um a hunt like a big game hunter goes back in time to kill a tyrannosaurus rex and they i i believe they warn him like you can't like go off this path or anything or it will uh I don't know why killing the Tyrannosaurus Rex wouldn't mess everything up, but he steps on a butterfly or something. And then that like changes, it's literally like the butterfly effect where it changes everything in the future. So um, that may have, I mean, that was a a story that Ray Bradbury had written I'm sure before back to the future, but yeah, beyond that, I, you know, just this idea of, Oh, you can't, you can't interact with yourself or it'll be cataclysmic. I don't think it ever really been done in, you know, pop
0: culture and the that's really the domain um of the second film because Mm -hmm. the first film is all about him interacting with his parents and the Mm -hmm. younger doc brown who you know as part of the trope of the movie gets over it pretty fast and they Mm -hmm. just sort of fall right into their friendship again which is great Mm -hmm. i mean I just want to, when I'm thinking of it, touch on Rick and Morty, which is directly yeah, inspired sure by Rick and Morty, Doc yeah. and Marty. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's all about this buddy relationship. And uh, the first movie, only at the end when he comes back, he comes back a few minutes early to warn Doc. And he sees himself. He sees the last minute or so before uh, Marty Prime, as we'll call him, hops in the DeLorean and goes back. Yeah, And that feels shocking at the end of the look. Oh, snappy. That's him. That's himself, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a moment right at the end of the film in the second film. There's all kinds of fun. I think at one point there's even three Marty's right. At one point he goes back to that point and he sees the original him. He sees the second him and he's there, you know, waiting for that to unfold before he jumps in. But Lots of stuff where he goes back to relive the 1950s prom night events. And, you know, he's coming down the stairs and he's like hiding by, underneath the window. And he, the him inside stops. Hey, dad, dad, daddy, or whatever he's saying on the inside. Yeah. And he's just crouched down being like, don't open the door, don't open the door, you know. And mm-hmm. so they, they spend a fair amount of the second movie playing with on top of him seeing future versions of himself. And then yeah. meeting some of the 1955 versions of those parents and stuff of him being back, being a, the second him in 1955. So the second Marty in a time where there shouldn't be any Martys. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of fun in the second movie, too. Right. So this idea and we see that a lot in The Flash, which is oh, all these things you change affect. The future and it all of starts to come unraveled but what was different in the flash was it changed the past as well as the future in this movie we could sort of reasonably count on everything was gonna like groundhog's day everything was gonna unfold in exactly the same way until you did something to change it Mm -hmm. you know and basically like if you took the magazine if you put the magazine back in the right place problem solved yeah you know right um yeah, I think um, I wanted to watch these two with my daughter because I thought Nova would really super dig it. Um, and I just couldn't ever
1: talk her convince auntie.
0: her. Yeah, well, I mean, oh, you know, we had to watch them. And I was like, look, I think you'd really like him, And she just was never in the mood. But mm-hmm. I think they stand up. I really think they stand up.
1: Yeah, it's uh, whenever we talk about these movies um, like this, you can never remove the nostalgia factor of it. But I think if, you know, if these were a first time watch, I think you'd be like, wow, those were really good. You know, I can't, uh, I don't know. I mean, you don't know what somebody who hasn't seen these movies before would would think. But one point that we haven't, you know, we kind of went around it, but didn't exactly talk about it is also these movies work so well because Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd have such great chemistry. You know, they just, you just like seeing them together. Yeah. And, and that makes it work too. You know, they were just both so perfectly cast in these parts. And, and as you said with Michael J. Fox, and it's the same thing with, with, uh, Christopher Lloyd is you can't, you can't picture somebody else in that role.
0: No, you really it became iconic immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Um I had a thought, I just wanted to I guess I've already forgotten it. Um I guess I already forgot. It. Never mind. Maybe it'll okay. come back to me.
1: We you also have, you know, when you talked about, when we talked about the Marty seeing the multiple multiple versions of himself. You also have in the second movie where uh uh shoot, who's Lorraine? What's what's the actor's name? Um
0: <sighs> Shoot. Don't ask me people's names. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably one of the not things be able to recall it.
1: As I've gotten older that I'm Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Um, where she she meets, you know, there's not much interaction, but there's a whole part of her uh coming from nineteen eighty five into twenty fifteen with them, and she's in her uh well, I guess it's, yeah, it would be her house as a as an adult, um, but she's a teenager then, and she runs into the old version of it, and they both pass out as soon as they right. see each One other.
0: One screams, I'm young, the other screams, yeah. I'm young. Yeah. yeah, but she was not, she wasn't, didn't play that role in the first film. They recast that too. Yeah, yeah. It was not a significant yeah. role in the first film. Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to be cruel. I didn't think that the actor who portrayed it. First of all, she didn't have a lot to do. Right. Second of all, I thought she was kind of I mean saying she was a dud is too harsh, but she was kind of a non You know, every every one of those other characters leapt off the screen from the principal, mm-hmm. you know, who's the stern disciplinarian. <clears throat> Everybody sort of was this bold, bigger than life, archetypal bang. And she just sort of wasn't. And I don't know if that Mm. has to do with what that has to do with, but I think they were probably smart to recast that role too.
1: Yeah. They must've seen that as well. You know Um, the other thing, you know, this was one of these um, just gigantic, especially the first one was one of these gigantic movies where you also had that you know you talked about Huey Lewis but you had the Huey Lewis songs that were you know the power of love and then out of time that were just these gigantic songs that um you know it was a little bit like uh Batman in 1989 where you had the you know the prince songs that were everywhere and uh this is that same kind of you know the same kind of thing um and you have movies still now that uh you know, that really get into pop culture in this way. But it didn't seem like there were as many at that time, you know, as 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 there are now, where, you you know, you have like all the Marvel movies and all that kind of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it really, when you think in 1985, you needed to make a movie, it needed to be released in theaters. This was clearly going to be a summer movie, right? This isn't a Christmas movie, although I like, I watch it i would watch it at christmas i think it's a feel good The second
1: one was released so the first one was july 3rd release date and the uh the second one was released around thanksgiving
0: yeah and that makes sense i haven't remembered but that makes sense to me too but um you know it 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 was kids liked it teens liked it um Parents liked it everybody who doesn't like this movie who yeah maybe it's not your cup of tea and you're like i don't i don't really i'm not interested in seeing that fine but it's not objectionable to anyone like you could hmm. grand grandparents and parents and kids could all have gone to see this movie together and they all would have enjoyed it right so that's a coup first of all right Um, And it doesn't pander to anybody, right? There's something in there. And I'm really specifically talking about the first one here. There's something in there for everybody. It's character driven, right? So there's some high concept stuff. And I mean, as a time travel movie, he has a picture of he himself, his brother and his sister. And one by one, they sort of fade out of the picture, which is absurd, of course, Mm -hmm. like individual pieces of the picture would just vanish. It doesn't make any sense but uh you know as a kind of a thermometer for how well he's doing in terms of this window of him being able to fix something right um it, it it it's a great device um i think that you know i think one of the reasons it also stands up is they weren't probably thinking of longevity in this sense but they they, they struck the right balance of being real and relatable without being too preachy or political um mm-hmm. one of the reasons why it stands up is they play on this sort of you know the mother being like well i would never do any of that when i I would never talk to my mother that way and you know you don't want people she was a to st- wild as a as a, and then as a as a girl she was what you would call a fast girl and it's cool. not you know it, it's not particularly offensive she was just <laughs> Any healthy American teenager with a sex drive and like a, a strong willed independence, it makes her endearing in right. the film. But even in '85, you get this kind of chuckle at, like, oh, we all, you know, we all kind of whitewash our own past or something like that. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even get into, of course, the kids of 2015 or Biff and his gang of 2015 are all sort of cyborgs. Like they have all these implants that are pretty corny. Like it looks like he's wearing a colander on his head and stuff like that. But right. um, So, you know, a lot of the stuff of the future doesn't resonate because it just didn't come to pass that way. But I think in, I think it was a fun way of looking at the future in 85 because the ones that really try and seriously nail it, you just accept the pieces of it they nail because they got it right. And you mm-hmm. go, well, of course that. Uh, they don't get any credit for the stuff they get right, but the stuff yeah. they get wrong really takes you out of the movie. So to give everybody these kind of day glow plastic things and have Mr. Fusion and have 3D whatever and hoverboards, it's, it, it, it's, it's a fun vision of the future from 1985. It's not really like they're trying to predict anything, you know? Right. Um, I mean, nobody has nailed, other than Star Trek, nobody has nailed yeah. iPads and iPhones and mobile sure. supercomputers in everybody's pocket. That's not yeah, part of it. You know, nobody thought that. They thought view screens and maybe supercomputers and talking computers and interspace travel and time travel and fusion and things like that. Stuff that we still haven't quite cracked a lot of it. Um,
1: there's one but, part where Doc pulls out, I thought it was, I was like, oh man, is that because it looks like the size of an iPhone? And I thought, is that going to be an iPhone? And it's a camera, but sure. it's the, it's pretty much the size of an iPhone
0: basically, yeah. but yeah. it's just a digital camera, you know? Yeah. Um, but Which yeah, it's pretty right on the money. I mean, the fact sure, that it's also yeah. a phone and there's an internet, like they didn't even talk about no. how could they conceive of that, you know?
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, One, one little thing that I caught this time that I had not noticed before is Biff's henchmen. So in the fifties and when, um, they are in the, uh, when he has the casino and the hotel, one of them, I had never noticed this before is Billy Zane. Yes. Um, which I, I don't know that I that I caught that at the time. Uh but I thought that was interesting. So I don't even know if he speaks in it or not. But they have uh, a couple, couple of a couple like hoop, hoop, get him. They have a couple yeah, of yeah,
0: like goon they're sort of a goon squad that Right. Yeah. What? You know, stuff like but that.
1: Considering what a great actor he would go on to be, I thought that was interesting to you that yeah. that. Uh, yes yeah. that he, you know, doesn't really have you know much of a role in these. But um another thing
0: still fun to have th- your th- resume though. Sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. I
1: and mean, I mean he's had a good career, but um the and I, I also got to thinking this is almost a genre unto itself, this sci-fi comedy, you know. I mean, I guess you had Back to the Future and maybe the Men in Black movies that would be the put but other than that, I can't really think of, you know, sci-fi comedy that has been like gigantic hits like this that, you know, really got into pop culture.
0: I think you and I have watched some stinkers that tried to fit into this. And the thing is, is if you try for this and you fail, but that's sort of true of any comedy. Like if you're trying to make a comedy that's not funny, it's unwatchable. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just like, what is happening here? And um, so, I mean, I think you layer sci-fi on top of that. You're just setting an even harder bar for yourself because it's got to be both funny and interesting you know a sci-fi has to be true to its own universe the universe it creates and then you have to be true to the rules of that universe Mm. and um that's harder than it sounds i think i mean i've never written a sci-fi script but yeah the good ones like blade runner create this reality that's very detailed and very specific and then it Everything that happens in the film feels like it fits within that reality. And again, mm-hmm. I've said it before, but that's why I think Denny Villeneuve's sequel, a Blade Runner 2049, was such a triumph. It, it It was both a new film, a great sequel, and it felt totally plausible as the world that was created by Ridley Scott in Blade Runner 30 years later. Yeah. Without it feeling like it was fan fiction or something. You know? Right. No, um, and there was new stuff introduced to it, but it still felt like the same world. It didn't feel like, well, and that's what's funny about that is Blade Runner supposedly 2019, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, this incredible dystopian future, you know, and we watched that one. and I was just like, Jesus Christ. Look <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sit around feeling bad about all the negative stuff happening now, but I guess we dodged a bullet. I mean, it could be. It could be well, funny. and probably 30 years from now
1: is not going to be a dystopian, you know, in that, although I don't know, who knows. With not in that way, right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't who knows? Open but, AI, but and you know, also with what you said that you know, they made this movie that appeals to all these different age groups and demographics, and also when you throw comedy in there, which is so subjective, you know, what's funny. I mean, what a triumph that is! That you know, it you have jokes that land with so many different types of audiences, you know. So it's, I mean, these are these are really, really, really well written scripts.
0: Yep, because it gets to be sexy, right? Mm -hmm. It gets to be and and feel dangerous. His nineteen fifty five mother you know sort of falling in love with him you know and wanting to and took off his pants and calls him calvin mm-hmm. klein because that was written yeah. on, his on his underwear so it feels racy right yeah. in pleasurable ways but it's something that the kids can laugh at ha <laughs> ha his underwear right and and people on a date can laugh at because it's like oh what's your underwear say and then something that the parents can laugh at too because i was like oh yeah it was a different time but i guess we were all still young and alive you know yeah and and, and it gets to do it with this sort of innocence that right um is tarnished a little bit in the second film mostly by the biff character right i mean they don't play him as a buffoon anymore they play him as truly dangerous yeah um and you know the, the and and in that future his mother has had plastic surgery has had breast augmentation Mm-hmm. That like egregious, like you know, he has made the world in what he thinks is his own. It is very Trump like, but there's a lot of Elvis to it too. He's got the big sideburns, right. mm-hmm. in his you know everything's flashy and gaudy and Vegasy and and surface deep and about um the bottom line. He's a murderer. We mm-hmm. f- discover that he murdered George Marty's father. Yep, and yeah. that he's fully intends to murder Marty too without batting yeah. an eye. Um. So it gets gets a little dark, but still, I mean, I think as a kid, I I felt very, I wasn't really scared by it as much as it felt really upsetting and uh, it felt really unsettling to me Mm -hmm. because the first one was so much fun that I thought, yay, more fun. And then I was like, yikes, like they're going to fix this, right? But you can't unsee the dystopian future once you've been there right you know mm-hmm. um and then the third one you know we don't need to talk about the third
1: no i wonder with this first one uh you know movies are always you know it's somewhat of a miracle if they turn out decently at all but you have to kind of wonder if they thought as they were making this you know we we probably got something here that that is has a good chance of being a hit, you know? Yeah, I um, think so. I think Jessica you watch the day a good script and yeah. the, the talent,
0: you know? And you don't know until you cut the thing together. And in those times, until it hit theaters, I mean, you could focus group it, but until you put it out in the wild, you didn't really have any sense of whether people were going to come and see it or not. Um, you know, and you had to line that stuff up and then the die was cast. So, I mean, God forbid there was some sort of a natural disaster or something that kept people from going out to the movies or being in the mood to go, you know, then you've just got a flop on your hands, you know? I mean, there was no streaming. There was no, I guess, video was coming in, but not really yet. It wasn't a big financial driver in 85, right? Not like it wasn't. I, I need to get my timeline on that. I mean, there were videotapes in '85, but I don't think Yeah, it yeah. Was the we were definitely reading movies then. Yeah, that it. Was, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Let's scratch all that. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I. Now that I'm thinking about everything I said, might have just been wrong. I don't, I don't even know how to finish. <laughs> <one that's taken. laughs>
1: we're not historians. We're just no, we just watch not. these movies and we're BS not. about them, but. But, but I mean, um, so yeah. Anyway, I mean, you 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 would recommend this, I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and both of them. I mean, I think, like I say, the the first one is you know is a classic, and and the second one is is pretty close. To, I mean, it's a a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. You know, if I, I, think, I can't imagine many people watching the first one and being like, ah, I hate the
0: second one. Right. I think too that that's part of the re- part of the reason I like the second one a little bit less, and the third one even less, is with the first one, you don't, you know, you're excited about it, and you're like, that felt mm-hmm. great, and these dailies look great, and I think we got a great movie, and we focused, grouped it, and they love it. I think people are going to love this, but you don't know that while you're making it, right? When you make a $19 million movie that grosses $350 million, you have a smash hit on your hands. Mm-hmm. Right, so make yeah. going into making the second movie, it's, I mean, it's yours to mess it's a up. A different and expectation, I, yeah, exactly. And I think they the mess You know, they didn't, they didn't. But I do think that it is a more little, convoluted. It's There's more a big, convoluted, it but I also think you go into it with a little bit less edge because you're mm-hmm. like, this is a sure thing, right? Yeah. We're not going to mess it up. And everyone's just a little bit back on their heels and less on their toes. Because it's back to the future, baby. We're making the sequel everybody wants. And then by the third one, you know, so the second one does well. And by the third one, I had the thought that maybe they shot two and three simultaneously. But I don't think that they they did. did Because at the end,
1: yeah, at the end of two, there's a preview for the next one. Right, There's a preview for three at the very end of two. So, yeah, I think they shot him back to back. Well, here's, here's
0: a question I have for you. Do you know this? Uh, because the first one very much sets up to be continued, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. in my mind, it was always at least a two-movie thing concept and probably yeah, a trilogy. W-
1: I think that was their plan, assuming that you know, it did well, and they, you know. And
0: there was a reality in which maybe the first one didn't make its money back, and then part two, and certainly not part three, would ever get made. Mm-hmm. But the first one did so well that I'm sure that they just went ahead and greenlit the next two movies, and I, I wonder if they shot them back-to-back back or, you know, maybe six months apart. Because the third one feels even more slack to me, feels even mm-hmm. more like, Oh, we're just, we're getting the band back together for a reunion tour. It just feels really comfortable and lazy is too strong a word, but you know, it's like, we got this. Everybody loves this. Hey folks, how's it going? Another movie for you? You're welcome. You know? Right. And, and the first movie, I think part of what makes it really sparkle is that it's a little bit hungry and everybody's waiting. Everybody really feels like the stakes are real. Like, I've got to Hmm. nail this scene, right? And they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And Which is not to say that they don't don't nail the scenes in the second one. I just feel like there's so many different tones. I don't know. I don't know about the darkness of the tone. I don't know about making Biff so genuinely dangerous in the second one. I don't think it Mm -hmm. breaks the movie, but it definitely makes it a... It's a tone shift in a in a meaningful way. The villain of the third one is not dangerous in the same way. Right. And there there is a there is a sh- shootout. There's a showdown in the third mm-hmm. one. So I mean Anyway, they play on all the
1: cowboy movie tropes, you know.
0: <clears yeah. <clears
1: <throat> yeah. Uh one thing that Robert Zemeckis has said about these movies is that as long as he is alive, they will not be remade. So I don't know what his age is now. He's probably getting probably into his 60s, I imagine, if around 70, something like that. I don't know. But uh, because, you know, I don't know. Would they, once he's gone, would they try to remake them or do a TV show or something like that? You know, of, I don't, I don't of know. Of course. I mean, that, yeah. that
0: nobody... Why don't you come up with a great new idea? Why do you have to reboot... Yeah. How well, I mean they remade Psycho. So mm-hmm. why? I mean Psycho is Psycho's fantastic. How are you gonna improve Psycho? Well it didn't stop them from remaking it. And I read not it better. today it's not bad along those people.
1: lines. I read uh I read today that uh uh one of Robert Downey Jr.'s I guess kind of passion projects is he wants to do a remake of Vertigo.
0: Uh, and
1: I mean, maybe, but i I kind of jokingly was thinking, like, oh is Jimmy
0: Stewart they, he's the Jimmy Stewart character,
1: I presume, yeah, uh, and I thought, oh, you know, they'll make a uh c g i representation of vertigo <laughs> and battling you, know? <laughs> so I don't know, I mean I'm not you know, I think the We've talked about remakes a lot, and it's just you know they they happen so often. I think the kind of when a remake really works to me is when you take something like <clears throat> like John Carpenter's The Thing, yeah, where you know that was a remake of a movie from the fifties, I think, or or sixties, and they did something completely different with it. They just didn't remake the movie, you know, or something
0: like um But it but it was a great hook, right? Yeah. It was a great hook. And he's oh, some sort of an alien thing buried in the ice, the team up there, like what's the what are the frontiers we haven't done? Space, sure, but you know the polar, it's crazy alien what if they found something in the ice? Great hook, right? So And that, so that was true where and that I mean that that movie carved its own path i mean wow and that truly was where there was a technological
1: breakthrough to do something completely different because the original one was just a guy wasn't he supposed to be like a vegetable or something like part like he was part carrot or something i don't know but it was like just a guy with some makeup on whereas they yeah. did you know all those crazy so when you could do something like that you know and they they did essentially a remake of the thing of john carpenter's the thing Ten or so years ago, and they there wasn't
0: any improvement to be made. Well, wasn't they basically a prequel, didn't they it, it was a prequel? Yeah, it's a prequel that led up to it, the point at which the yeah it leads right up to the the, to the opening of the yeah.
1: of the original. But it but it's also kind of a remake too because they do the same, you know, the transformations and all that. And kind it's of stuff. digital,
0: right? This one's digital instead of practical.
1: They shot practical effects and then the studio was like ah we want digital and they went in and basically did digital over it or they did some extra digital stuff or whatever so but you know when you can do something like the or even you know as beloved as the 1933 or whenever it was king kong and then peter jackson does his king kong you know you it's a completely different thing in terms of just you know, the the one was puppets with stop motion. So when it's something like that, you know, whatever. But Vertigo, something like Vertigo or Psycho, there's not a lot of special effects to that. So it's, you're, yeah. you know, you're not, um, you know, to me those kind of remakes are almost like a, you know, the Broadway version of a play and the off-Broadway version of a play. You know, it's just different actors, different people inhabiting those costumes, you know, and it's like, what's the point?
0: And you've um, got you've got a problem to overcome because you presume. I really felt this with Psycho. You presume. You know, I've never seen the remake, but don't bother. Um, yeah. yeah, I found it utterly forgettable. Um, you presume the prestige of the first one is getting. You know everyone's going to want to see this. Everyone loves Psycho. Well, everyone yeah. loves Psycho. Why do they need to see another version of Psycho? It. It almost can't possibly be better, right. and it's almost shot for shot. I mean, they just basically yeah. remade the movie, and I'm like, why?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just do your own original thing,
0: you know. Well, but... we we see lots of cases where stuff is you know totally killer, <laughs> inspired by Back to the Future. Right. It's not and and referenced in it, but by all means, love Back to the Future. And go out and write your own time. You can even reference Back to the Future in it. And I, mm-hmm. we I, we both agreed that you can go listen to that episode, but we both agreed that it's really fresh and original and fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't think it's as good as Back to the Future, but it wasn't no. trying to be Back to the Future. It was trying to be a contemporary thing that plays with a lot of the same tropes about going back at and this in point, At this point,
1: at this point, the number of movies, you know, once you get to where you're R.H. and you've watched it, you've basically seen everything. I mean, the something that you're going to see that you're just going to be like, "Wow, I've never seen anything like that before." Yeah. It's pretty rare. Yeah. But, but you know, do it's it's just the studios just want to latch on to a name, you know, something that people recognize, just to get you know people in the door or to watch it on streaming or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't upset me, you know, it's, it's, everything's going to get remade and yeah whatever, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't ruin the, the original in any way, but
0: so. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they made, um if they remade it, but more likely to me would be they would try and spin up a series or they would make another movie that is like Marty's Kids. Right, so it's Mm -hmm. Back to the Future Four, and it's the new generation, and he's not in it, and they use some cut footage of him, or they digitally remaster some stuff, or maybe he's a very old man, so his Parkinson's plays, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't is it is Michael J. Fox Parkinson's? Yeah, Yeah. Um, you know, so I think um, that that I can imagine them doing, um, and it being sort of painful, but. They don't want to let a property lie if it was profitable in the past. Or you know? young Doc
1: Brown, you know, that's the kind of thing they love to do. You know, so it's we're going to see Doc Brown when he was
0: in high school,
1: right? In the '30s or whatever it would be. Yeah, right. Right. I don't know. That's the kind of thing they seem to love to do. Is, is yeah, you know, no, he could, he'd fight Nazis and yeah, yeah, or whatever. Because we have uh, Timothy Chalamet as young. Uh, Willy Wonka. Uh, Willy Wonka coming out soon. And it's like, and I, I said somebody, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And I said, you know, I've seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, th- th- not thousands of times, but countless times. And at no point as a child did I ever say, gee, I wish I could see the story of how the origin he became story, Willy right? Wonka. You know, yeah. it's like, I never thought about that. <laughs>
0: In in fact, in the film, he's sort of it's he is this kind of personification. I mean, he's a magical figure, mm. but for a poor kid, he's also this kind of robber baron. Like he's just this mm. rich eccentric. And I think that what Tim Burton did it did with it with Johnny Depp, and he Johnny Depp was very much doing a sort of um Michael Jackson mm. take on the character. This sort of exce- what would an eccentric. You know, Cracker Jack was fabulously rich that builds his own paradise, um, you know, be like well be, he yeah. Johnny Depp decided he'd be like Michael Jackson. Um I thought that movie was singularly forgettable as well. Except there was a cherry really
1: sure it. It, it was bad. Yeah.
0: But I think it made a lot of money. I don't know. So Yeah, I mean there there was some but stuff yeah. that I, I did like Helena Bonham Carter's teeth. She had these prosthetic teeth that were like piano keys and there's one shot mm. where she's sort of wistfully looking at young charlie thinking you know i love my son and she's just her mouth is a jar and just it's like
1: <laughs> it's crazy i just vague i vaguely vaguely remember that one i i didn't like it yeah oh. well cgi yeah, september and i like johnny depp sure for
0: sure yeah, but I mean... So
1: I would, would you recommend both of these movies? Oh, yes,
0: yes. I, unreservedly. Uh, two thumbs up, up, up. I um, I would watch it again, you know? Mm-hmm. If Nova said, yeah. hey, do you still want to watch Back to the Future? I'd be like, absolutely. Because I think I would enjoy it just as much. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In fact, I was delighted as I went looking for it, like where I was going to rent it. Um, I realized that I own it. Back oh. a while ago, Apple when apple was you know delivering digital content they apple used to sell you could buy high definition versions of something or you could buy standard definition and it was like a few dollars difference um mm-hmm. and um at one point you know it was the high definition stuff technology the screens and things were were more expensive so I, most people had sort of standard definition screens you could play a high def high def content on that, but you were paying more for it, so you're kind of like, well, I don't need that, right? And then there was a frustrating period there where you owned, I owned a bunch of standard definition stuff, and I had bought a new computer which that I watched stuff on that that had a HD screen, and it wouldn't play the standard definition stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and so, you know, and people, so I'm like, I spent hundreds and hundreds of, maybe even thousands of dollars in this digital content that I can't play now unless I go get an old. And eventually, I think Apple was kind of like, listen, uh-huh. we're not going to, this is not a winning hill to die on, right? I mean, so then they just sort of said, you know, if you own a bunch of standard differences, we're just going to bless it up and you own the. Mm. So, PhD. at some point in that period, they were like, they were trying to, move digital sales and it was the back to the future collection for mm-hmm. a limited time for i don't know what it was you know 30 bucks or something like that and i was like you yeah, know and i that came back to me now but i went looking for it and you yeah, like, like, oh, know yeah, you can just hit play yeah it's like oh i bought them
1: so that was a I little might- delight I watch these on streaming, but I might have them on, I might have like DVD box out of this. Right.
0: I don't even have um, anything that'll play a DVD anymore. I don't have a Blu-ray player. I don't have anything. I still have a PlayStation that I can play, that I sure. can play
1: uh, DVD on. But um, I was going to say something
0: there. You okay? I'm
1: having a hard time shaking. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say there, but
0: these movies are very good this movie is very good very nice so yeah and we're, we're pretty much at time as guys if you've not seen back to the future at the very least and i think if you had yeah, this first one would be interesting to see the second one they're fantastic i don't say it lightly but like with rage of the lost Ark, i think it's pretty much a perfect movie um it, within it sort of spawned its own genre and $19 million movie made $350 million. There's a pretty good indicator if you're into numbers. Do yourself a favor. Go check it out. It's fun for the whole family. Yes. Uh, Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. That is our handle. We are on the socials. We're around. You can ping us. You can leave us a comment. You can like and subscribe.
1: Doesn't really If you me. enjoy our show, give us a five star review. Sure. And whatever your pod catching thing yeah. is, that if it takes it, because that. Helps us sure to
0: get more listeners. Digital things do the things. And for next time, what oh, did we decide that we are going?
1: We talked to? about a couple of different things. We talked. Did I say the thing about the Wes Anderson shorts? Did I bring no. that up? Oh, okay. So that was my, my initial idea that I had. I don't know if you've seen about this, but there are four new short films on Netflix that Wes Anderson made. That are Roald Dahl stories.
0: Oh, I did see this. Um, I did see this. Yeah. Okay.
1: And they've like the reviews are really great on. So that's something to think about. We also somehow we got to talking about before the show. We got to talking about Kenneth Branagh, and there's a movie from 1990 with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson and Robin Williams called Dead Again. And then another one that I was reading about this week. I always I follow all these movie. Maker people on Twitter. And so they talk about movies on there a lot. And s- there was this discussion about um to live and die in LA, which I think is from 85 or 86. Have you ever seen that one? I don't think so. Um, are you familiar with it at all? It's Willem Defoe and I forget what the other guy's name is. And the soundtrack is by Wang Chung, like the whole soundtrack, but they were saying like it's this great, great. 80s cop movie it's one that i've always wanted to see but i've
0: never seen huh it does ring a bell but uh it's supposed to be very very good
1: but i well, we have to check to see if it's streaming or not but maybe we can mull over those different ones and see uh
0: yeah let's mull it over all of them are yeah. of interest to me i think that okay. uh, wes anderson and roald dahl is a great fit yeah right i mean i'm like why didn't oh, yeah. i think of that that just makes so much sense that guy stopped both of the the styles of both of those pieces, mm-hmm. um, of, yeah. of both of those creators. So, I mean, I guess I'm leaning towards that, but a good old-fashioned okay. 80s cop movie with yeah. a soundtrack by Wang Chung, that's pretty good, too.
1: If it, We'll have to see if it's streaming, because I, I, I hope it's not right. one of these where it's like, oh, we'll watch that, and then it's like not available anywhere. Right, right. So the we'll the Wes Anderson movies are made for... Netflix, Netflix, and I'm gonna watch them sometime anyway. So yeah, um, so yeah, and all right. Gotten really, really great reviews.
0: So all of which is good and promising. So, mm-hmm. um, let's wrap it up here. If unless you have anything else you'd like to add,
1: no, I think that's it.
0: Go see Back to the Future again for the umpteenth time, or maybe for the first time. It's really a, the bomb. And Chris yes. and I will talk to you all
1: next week.